Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, as Anthony had already said, my name is Tony, and I'm one of the uh, pastors here. And every so often, I get the opportunity to share with you what God is teaching me, how he's challenging me. And uh, this morning is interesting because normally when I speak, you know, we're in the midst of a series or, you know, we're going off a certain idea. But when Anthony asked me to speak a little over a month ago, you know, I said, what am I speaking on? And he basically said, whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want to talk about, whatever God's teaching you. And so that's what I'm doing. And I'm excited because there's a specific little small passage of scripture that God has been speaking to me over and over and over again over the last month. And I'm interested to dive into that with you. And what I'm going to talk about today actually goes off a little bit of what Anthony spoke about last week. So if you're here just by means of review, he talked about how do we get in? Like, how do we get into heaven? Um, how do we become right with God? And he talked about that it's not at all about following rules. It's not at all about the path of religion. But the way that we get in is only through having a real, vibrant, passionate trust in Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do today is say, okay, once we've accepted Jesus in the past, now that we're in, what happens in our life now? You know, so if you're sitting here this morning and you've already accepted Jesus in the past, my question for you today is this. Are you right now in your life experiencing God's transformational power, God's power to form you more into Jesus? Are you experiencing that right now in your life? Because here's the thing. Receiving God's grace was never simply to get us into heaven, but so that we would be continually and consistently transformed into the image of Jesus until our last breath on this earth. See, getting into heaven was way too small of a thing for God. That's just one tiny aspect of what he did in Jesus. His bigger picture is that he wanted us to experience him and so that more and more we look more and more like Jesus in why. So that we could represent him and so that those that live around us would be able to clearly see Jesus more and more so that they too could have a relationship with God. And so again, the question for today is, am I experiencing God's transformational power within my life? Am I experiencing that? Or maybe am I missing out on something that God has for me. And so this idea really has just been rolling around in my mind over the last month. And it started when I read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, which is what we're going to look at today. Uh, so in 2 Corinthians uh, 6 1, Paul writes, We appeal to you not to receive God's grace in vain. He didn't want the church in Corinth to miss out on anything that God had for them. And I believe that God wants the same for us, not to miss out on any thing, not to miss out on any of the goodness of what has been done for us in Jesus. And he wants, it to, uh, wants us to experience that on a daily basis because, and this is the big idea for today, experiencing God, um, experiencing God's grace leads to transformation. The more we experience God, the more we experience his grace, the more we are transformed. Think about it this way. If we look, think, love, um, virtually the same after being a Christian for maybe five years, maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, I feel like then we are definitely missing out on what God has for us. Because again, 
experiencing God's grace will lead to transformation. And so to go along with this idea, and why this idea is so, so strong in my mind, is a couple months ago I read this book on discipleship. And in the book, the author was, was talking to this man, and the man basically told him, hey, I've been a Christian for 22 years, but I am not a 22-year-old Christian. In actuality, I am a one-year-old Christian 22 times. And when I read that, it just jumped out at me so much. He'd been a Christian for 22 years, but he wasn't really a 22-year-old Christian. He was just this one-year-old Christian that happened over and over and over again. And, you know, like, who's to say what a 22-year-old Christian will look like? I don't know. It's probably different for everybody. But the point is, what this man is saying is that I accepted Christ. I started to grow, and then I basically just plateaued. I didn't go anywhere else with it. And I was actually having a really similar conversation with Lonnie, our bass player today. We were talking about how long we've been playing our instruments. So I've been playing the guitar for about 20 years. And I would say that maybe I'm like a three or four year old guitar player. Like I learned some chords, I learned some tricks, and that's about where I stayed. There's so much more to know about the guitar, but I just never chose to really press in, to learn more, to give my heart to it, to be around people that knew more than me. I just kind of stayed right there. And so that's my guitar playing, but more importantly, like my own spirituality, my own relationship with God. I, I grew up, you know, knowing about Jesus, but it wasn't until I was in college where I actually recognized that Jesus is God's son, that he came, he died, he rose again, and I decided to trust him as my Lord and Savior. And that was about when I was about 20 years old. I'm 36 now. So over the last 16 years, you know, how, how is God changing me? How do I look the same? How am I different? And even more of a question is, how do I look compared to two years ago? You know, not just 16, but how do I look compared to last year? Do I know God more? Am I more passionate for Him? Am I more passionate for lost people? Where am I at? These are the questions, honestly, that I've been wrestling through for the past month, which really leads to the bigger question that we're asking today. Is, am I receiving and experiencing God's grace right now in my life in a way that is transforming me. And I want to have you all think about those questions too. You know, think back right now. If you've accepted Jesus, what year was that? How long ago was that? What were the circumstances surrounding that? Why did you decide to say, I believe in Jesus and I'm following him my whole life? Why was that? And then think, how many years has that been? And how am I being changed? What, how is my heart looking differently? And then again, that's the same question. Like, okay, not even way back in the past, but what, what about the last two years? What about the last year? What is God doing in me? And if you're like me, you probably know that there's more that I could be experiencing of God's grace. There's more uh, that I could know about God. And so I want to I approach this morning not with guilt and shame. Let's say that like right off at the very beginning. We're not talking about guilt and shame because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are absolutely loved. God's not condemning us, right? Okay, wherever we're at this morning. But what I want to do is approach this message with just this open heart that's like, God, I know that you love me forever. There's nothing in all creation that could separate me from you. We are good. But yet I also want to approach this morning with this open mind to say, God, I want to hear what you have in your word. 
And I want my, my will to be more conformed to you. So teach me this morning and then send me out with a passion to go after you with all that I have. And so that's what we're going to be talking about in the next few minutes. Um, before we really open up the word, would you guys just pray with me? And let's just ask the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Heavenly Father, God, I know that it's not about my words that anyone's life is going to be changed or transformed. That is only your spirit that can do that. You see the depths of our heart and you can change us. And so right now, in the midst of this moment, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in me, through me, and in every single heart that is here this morning. Because we want to experience you. So open our eyes to that, God. Give us a willing heart that we want what you want. Do the work that only you can do inside of our heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. So if you guys have your Bibles, let's open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're just going to look at a few, uh, just a few passages this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I started reading it already. And I will continue to read it again. Verse 1 says this. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive God, not to receive the grace of God in vain. So Paul, he knows this church. He's saying, I know you, I know what's going on. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. And so a little context to what's going on here. So first of all, um, 2 Corinthians is a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul. It was written around the year AD 55. And he has a very close personal connection to the church in Corinth. Around AD 51, he showed up in Corinth, uh, which if you don't know, is a city in Greece. He showed up in Corinth. He started sharing the gospel. People started coming to Christ. And then immediately he planted a church. So he is the founding pastor of this church. And he cares so deeply for these people. Now what's going on in 2 Corinthians is that it's a young church and they're dealing with a few different issues. The first of which is that they've got these teachers that have come into the church that are um, they're false teachers and they're basically speaking against Paul. They're speaking against his integrity. They're speaking against his authority. And they're also speaking against the message and the purity of the gospel. And they're saying, you've got to do other things. It wasn't all that. Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. And so there's this issue going on in the church. The other thing that you're going to see through the letter is that there's so many little um, aspects that Paul is calling out within the church. So you see, this is a really immature church. They need to grow. And so Paul writes this letter to them so that, one, he would defend himself. Two, that he could really push again the truth of the gospel. And three that he would ask the church to grow. And so when he says, we appeal to you, do not, you know, do not receive God's grace in vain. His heart is invested in them. And so what does it actually mean to receive the grace of God in vain? The word vain that's used in scripture here, what it means is empty, fruitless, um, without usefulness or success. Some of your other versions may have, don't take God's grace for granted. It's the same idea. What was going on within the church is that there were people that were not recognizing the great value of what they had in Jesus. And they were not experiencing the usefulness, the fruit, the success of what it means to walk with Christ. And this could pertain to both the non-believers in the church and also the believers in the church. Let me explain. So first of all, within his congregation, there were people that had believed those lies of the false teachers. 
they had believed that what Paul was saying was not true. And so their issue was they had never fully, truly, solely trusted in Jesus. And so every word that they heard about Jesus was absolutely in vain because they never took it to heart. They never chose to trust. In reaching this folk, these folks was one of Paul's major focuses of chapter 5. So what I want to do today is look at 6, but everything in 6 hinges upon 5. So we're going to go back to 5 quite a bit. In 520, so if you got your Bible, look back at 520. Paul is saying that he is an ambassador for Christ. Remember, like at the beginning, our goal is to represent Jesus so that more people could know him. And Paul is saying, I'm an ambassador for Christ. And then he gives this passionate plea for the people. And he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you do not and have not fully trusted in Jesus, be reconciled to God. That was his heart for them, and that is God's heart for us. So, as assuredly as there are people there that didn't fully trust in Jesus, there's assuredly people here and online that have not truly said, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. And if that is you, Paul's words to them is my, are my words to you. Be reconciled to God. God has done every single thing within his power by giving his only son that you could be forgiven and actually get to know the one that created all the sky and the clouds and the sun and the grass. If we have an opportunity to know him, and so if you have not yet, do that. Okay? So there are non-believers there, there are non-believers here. There were believers there, there are believers here. And it's also possible for believers to receive God's grace in vain. I was doing some research and I was looking at a man by the name of Dr. Constable. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. And speaking to um, those believers who believed in vain, he wrote this. He said, receiving God's grace in vain would mean not allowing it to have its divinely intended result in their lives, making it a ground for continuance in sin. So evidently, there were believers within the church that had received Jesus, but they had chosen to live their lives in a way that was not allowing God's grace to have its divinely intended result in their lives. They were missing it. And part of that could be the fact that they were not choosing to die to themselves and to put God first and to seek his face. Look back at 2 Corinthians 5, 15. I mean, this is the call for believers in Christ. It says, he, which is Jesus, he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died. So within the Corinthian church, there were believers that were just living for themselves. And how many people know that's super easy to fall into that trap like every single day? You guys with me? Very easy to do that. Very, very easy because every single day that we live on this earth, there are things that are pulling our heart away from Jesus that want our eyes off of him to anything else. And a lot of times what that does is it drives our eyes into ourselves thinking I'm going to lead my whole life. I'm going to drive, you know, this, the car of my life, I'm driving. And I feel like so many of us fall into that. I know I do. It's like, you know, at one point we'd given Jesus the, the keys to the car and we said, okay, Jesus, you drive wherever you want to go, I'm going. But then as we go through life, it's like we take those keys back, we plug them in the ignition, Jesus hops over in the other seat, and we're just driving. 
And then Jesus might be like tapping our shoulder. Hey, Tony, you know, like I need you to look. And it's just like we turn the radio up and we can't even hear him anymore. I mean, this happens to me and I'm sure it happens to you. And I believe it was happening to the church in Corinth too. They were losing that focus on Jesus and then they were falling into everything else. And we do the exact same thing. And as I look back over the 16 years of my walk with Christ, I think there are so many times and so many different things that have pulled my eyes away from him. You know, oftentimes when I'm fooling around with, with sin, doing things I shouldn't be doing, and then I'm falling into sin, and my heart just grows cold to what Jesus wants to do in my life. It's not that he's gone. It's not that he left. His grace is still there, but I'm just not feeling him anymore. And maybe you feel the same. But there are other times in my life where I know I was really growing with God. And if I look back, it's those times where I was, I was connecting with God in prayer. Or the times where I was just, you know, looking into his word. Or the times where I was surrounding myself with people that were passionately seeking Jesus. And their passion just rubbed off on me. Those are the times where I was more surrendered to say, God, what you want, I want. And in those moments, that's when I really began to grow more in my walk with Christ. Basically, again, it's that the more that we experience of him, the more we can be transformed into Jesus. So look back at Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. I want to pull out a couple other words. It says, working together with him then. We appeal to you, do not receive God's grace in vain. Paul says in the ESV version that I'm reading, he says appeal. But maybe in some of the other versions you have, it could say urge, strongly urge. Um, some even say beg, like James read at the beginning of the service today. What we need to hear is Paul's passion for the church and for all of us to know what Jesus has done and to live in that reality. So let's talk about what Jesus has done. Let's just talk about grace for a minute based off of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. So grace is defined as this, God's undeserved favor. And specifically within this context in 2 Corinthians, it's God's divine favor as exercised in giving gifts, graces, and benefits to his followers. So when you read grace in 2 Corinthians 6, think benefits, um, like we, like we sang about, the riches of your love. What are we talking about when we sing those words? Grace means those benefits and those gifts. And so what are those things? If you're in 2 Corinthians 6, again, shift back to 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says in the NIV version, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The new has come. And I remember being like a, a, a young believer, just starting to read the Bible, just starting to take this And I read that, and I just remembered, I just remembered thinking to myself, okay, what God is trying to get into my brain is that there was Tony number one, pre-Christ. Jesus shows up in my life. We have Tony 2.0, you know, like a totally different creation, brand new. And so even to work this into my heart, I remember like drawing in a little notebook. We got Tony and I'm not a great drawer, but I drew Tony. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of had this black, this junk, like all over me, just crime and just represented the sin in my life. And then there was this line where Jesus came in and then I drew the exact same picture of myself, but I was just like shining. You know, that's the way that the Lord spoke it to me because he 
He wasn't counting my sins against me anymore. I did not have to worry about the penalty for that sin because it was already taken care of on the cross. And I mean, it's, it's awesome. God is not counting our sins against us. Look uh, two verses later at 519. It says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So if you are a Christian today, there is no need to fear what has happened in your life because Jesus has already taken it and God is not counting it against you. But the point is, are we living in that reality? Are we experiencing the goodness of that grace every single day? And it's not just that he doesn't count them against us, but he also makes us shine with the righteousness of Christ. Look two verses later, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so again, it's this thought that, you know, before Christ, standing here in all the sin and all the mess and all the drive, Christ comes in takes all my sin upon himself and in exchange I can be shining with the radiance of Christ but God is looking at us and thinking wow, he is brightly looking like Jesus here's the thought I had today everyone take one second, look up at the sun don't look very long crazy bright, right? can't even look at it the Bible talks about how Jesus like outshines the radiance of the sun and so when God looks at us if we're shining with the righteousness of Christ it's like, whoa Man, he's looking good. She's looking good. And it's not based on what happened that day or yesterday. It's based on what Jesus already did. Because so many Christians, we walk around and think, man, I feel horrible. I'm just a mess and junk. I can't believe I, I do this again and again and again. And God's like, got the sunglasses on. Whoa, that guy's shining. You know, like, are we living in that reality or have we taken some of God's grace for granted? Are we actually living this and believing it in the depths of our heart or are we taking it for granted? Are we taking it in vain? And that's the whole heart of this. We are shining, you know? It's just, it's, it's, it's amazing when I think about it, but so much of this has not gripped our hearts because we don't live in it in a daily reality. Like, think back to Paul's passion. We appeal to you, urge you, beg you. Why was Paul so passionate? Is that he knew more than probably most people on the entire earth what God could do to someone and how God could transform their lives. Real quick about Paul's life. He started off as this self-righteous persecutor of the church. Then Jesus shows up, literally knocks him off his horse, and bam, he is turned into this Holy Spirit-empowered man who is passionate about the lost so much so that he's willing to risk his entire life that people would know the God who transforms people and makes them totally new. He was a Holy Spirit-empowered believer, right? And speaking of the Holy Spirit, that is another benefit of God's grace. If you're in chapter 5, look at verse 5. It talks about how the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee. And what he's talking about there is that when the Holy Spirit is inside your life, you know without a doubt, it's a guarantee that you're spending eternity with the God of all creation. And so again, do we live in the reality that the almighty God who made the Son, the almighty God who's over everything, is now living in me? That's what scripture teaches. Do we believe it? Do we live it out? Or have we maybe taken some of that grace for granted? Have we maybe believed that in vain? Are we not living it 
out. We have been given the power of God's Spirit living in us. In Galatians 5, write it, write it down, read it later. Paul just talks about if you would only trust and surrender and walk in the Spirit, you're not going to gratify all that sinful stuff in your life. But you will grow. Right? We want to be people who grow with God. We want to be people who mature, that look more like what God called us to be. One of the things, I'm just going to share this quick, but I, I love it. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's issues that are going on in the church. There's jealousy, they're fighting, there's strife. And then Paul uh, comes in in chapter 3, verse 3, and I love how the NIV version says it. But he's basically writing to them, and he says, Why are you acting like mere men? Why are you acting like Joe Schmo? You don't have to do that. You are different. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to give in to all that jealousy stuff. You don't have to get into all that petty fighting because you are loved by God and empowered to live differently through the power of the Spirit within you. Don't live like everybody else on this earth that doesn't have Almighty God living in them. Live as if God is in you, which He is, and live it out and let Him lead your life. That is what Paul is saying. And so again, are we taking this for granted? Have we locked these truths into our heart? Have we said, God, I'm choosing to believe more of what your word says than what I feel like? Do we let that get into our heart? God is with us, and that is how we grow, by listening and trusting. God is in us. So I want to say one, one quick thing. By growing, what am I talking about by growing? I've been talking a lot about growing. It is not doing. I'm not talking about doing more. When I say growing, what I'm saying is learning to live in the reality of who we are in Christ and the life that we can live because of God's grace. That's what growing looks like, learning to live in the reality of who we are in Christ and the life we can live because of God's grace. Again, when I'm talking about growth, I'm, I'm not talking about better church attendance than last year. I'm not talking about, I know a few more things about the Bible than I used to. I'm not talking about, well, I gave more than last year. None of those things are bad, but what I'm talking about is an inward transformation of your heart. And I want to give you a picture of what a few examples of growth can look like. Here's a few ideas. One, more humility. There's more humility than there used to be when I didn't know Christ. There's more humility now than there was years ago. There's more humility now than there was last year. I don't have to fight for my reputation as much because I know that my identity is solely locked in who Jesus says I am. I don't have to do that so much. Growth looks like uh, a greater willingness to be open and honest about my current sin struggles. So what I'm not saying is, oh yeah, back 10 years ago, I used to struggle that, but not anymore. I'm saying growing in the ability to say, right now, this is what I'm tempted to do, or this is what I've been doing. I'm struggling with this right now, in being honest with other people about that, being willing to humble yourself to say, this is what's going on in my life. I need to tell you, because I know that's not what God wants for me, and I know that his grace is there, but I know I want to be different. It's coming before God to say, God... I'm going to be intentional with you. I know that the sin that I have in my life right now needs to be dealt with, and I need to bring it to you. I confess it to you. Because we don't want to lie here. Every single person is dealing with something. Every single person is in, like, in, a, in a process of growth. I am. I'm sure that many of you are too. All of you are. Because our process is not going to be done until we die. 
So there's always something that we're struggling with, that God is working on, that we need to do better, like whatever. So let's be honest about that. The other thing is less striving to make my life work. If I look over last year, two years ago, I'm not trying as hard to make it work. There's more surrender, more dependency within my heart to let God do what only he can do. Growth looks like a greater frequency to ask for forgiveness. You know, I'm, I'm quicker to do that now. That's what growth is saying than I used to be. I'm more honest. I'm more willing to say, I'm really sorry. That was wrong of me. I sinned, and because of that, I hurt my feelings. I'm sorry. It's owning it. And then also a greater frequency to give forgiveness. You know, I used to be an incredibly bitter person. I didn't want anybody to be forgiven. But it's that person realizing, you know, God poured out his grace upon me. I didn't deserve it. I'm going to pour out grace upon you even though you don't deserve it. Because God is in me and he is doing that through me to you. Those are just a few examples. So as you look over your life, are you growing in right now? Are you growing? And if you are, awesome. That is fantastic. Keep pursuing Jesus because there's more of him. If you feel stuck, if you feel stuck, I want you to look back at what Paul says in verse 2. Well, verse 1 again, he says, We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Why? Why? Why don't do that? For, he says in verse 2, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So if you're stuck, you haven't been growing, take encouragement that God is saying to you through, your, through his word, today is the day of God's favor, the day of salvation. And I really like what, uh, when I was researching, I really like what um, this pastor John Corson had to say in his New Testament commentary. He wrote this. He said, truly, now is the time for each of us to be saved, not just born again eternally, but to be saved from that which holds us back presently. So what he's saying to believers is we're not talking the day of salvation is just, just to go to heaven. The day of salvation is now so that we can be set free from whatever it is that holds us back. If it's sin, if it's a mentality, if it's stinking, if it's just this selfishness in us, today is the day to be free. And so just to close, I have two challenges for two different kinds of people. The first is this. If you never surrender to Jesus, if you never said, I really believe that you are who you say you are and I want to follow you, don't sit here every single week and receive what you hear in vain. Believe and trust in Jesus. Talk to any of our staff. We would love to talk with you because that decision not only affects your eternity, but every single day, the rest of your life on this earth. Challenge number one. Challenge number two. If you are a believer, but you feel like you are just, you just know that you're not living in these truths. You're maybe not embracing the reality that a holy, awesome, powerful God is living in you. My challenge to you this week is to get along with God and just, just to be honest with Him. You know, lock yourself in a room if you have to get away from the kids or get up early or go to bed after they do. But it's so important just to say, God, I know there's more of you that I haven't been experiencing, but I want more of you. God, thank you that your grace completely covers me. Thank you that I'm loved completely. But Lord, help me to follow you. Help me to experience all the goodness of your grace and not to take even an ounce of it for granted. That is my challenge to you. In closing, I just want to share a quick thought. 
So as I've been wrestling through this stuff in my own brain over the last month, I had this thought of, of me um, up in heaven and Jesus is, is standing right next to me. And it's interesting because we're looking back over my life. And uh, I'm seeing a particular situation where, you know, I could have really chosen to trust in God to provide. I felt like, you know, there was this, just trust God. And I didn't do it. Um, and then in the next, it's like, I see that same situation and I see me trusting it. And it's like, what could have happened if I would have done that? And that's, that's kind of this thought. Like, what could have happened if I would have done that? And then another time, you know, where I feel like I'm looking at this situation where I needed to talk to this, this close um, friend about Jesus. And, and I, just didn't, I just didn't do it because I didn't know how they were going to respond. And then I just kind of had this thought of, you know, seeing it differently. Seeing myself actually say, hey, you know, like I really think that Jesus could help you out. I really think he's real because he's done a lot in my life. And the crazy thing is, like, when I had this thought in my head, it wasn't like, I didn't feel shame. I didn't feel condemned for messing it up because God fully and completely loves me. There's nothing in all creation that's going to separate me from him, even my failures, even the times when I didn't grow. So it wasn't that I felt bad about it, but what I felt is like, man, I still have time on this earth. What could happen if I decided to give my whole heart to Jesus? What would look differently? What would my relationship look like if I actually said, hey, I believe in Jesus and I think you need to know who he is because he's real and he loves you and God gave everything for you. What could my life look like if I said, God, I have no idea how this is going to work out. It's just crazy ideas in the back of my head, but I feel like maybe you're saying to do it. And so I'm just going to risk like financially or I'm going to risk my reputation and it may utterly fail, but I'm choosing to believe that you can do something that is outside of me. What could happen if I did that? What could happen if we all did that? Because there's something that's like burning in my heart that's like, I don't want life normal as it, as it is. My wife and I have been talking about that a lot. Like we don't, we don't want to just do this normal life where we just have this little relationship with God and we go on until we die. We don't want to just like keep coming to church and just, just showing up. But like, what does actually God have? We're living in a crazy time. There's a pandemic. There's lots of stuff going on in the world, but we are here. What if we're here for a time as this, a time such as this? What if it's that's us? God's saying, we planted you here for this time so that people would know me and that everything would just be awesome with my power. What if, what could happen if? And I want to leave you with that question. Like, what could happen if I decided to trust in who God is? What, if, what would happen if I decided to trust that his spirit is in me and can lead me to do things I could never do on my own? What would happen if? Let's not take God's grace for granted. Let's just enjoy every single aspect of it and let us lead us, let him lead us into a totally different life than we could ever live on our own. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you have given us every single thing that we need to live a life that um, you call us to. God, you, you say that you give us the words to speak. Lord, you say that you've completely made us new creation so we don't have to live in shame and guilt and condemnation. Lord, you have given us everything that we need. And Lord, I pray that we do not take you for granted. God, everybody's in a process. And so I just pray this week, Lord, that we would have an open heart and that people would hear specifically one way that you're asking them to, to trust you. One way that you're asking them to put their faith in you. Um, just into practice. Father, I want what you want. Um, 
I want to live the life that you want me to live. I want our church to live the lives that you want us to live. And so I pray that the truth of your word would be buried deep inside of our hearts and that we would live it out. Thank you that your grace forever changes us. Thank you that you're good and faithful. And uh, I just know that you can do anything. And I want to experience you all this. In the name of Jesus, amen.